the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. For sports fans, there's no better place to get breaking news, real time commentary, and podcast material. We're going to use plenty of athletic information today. Comprehensive coverage, insightful analysis, especially around fantasy time. I've got my first fantasy baseball draft tonight. I've been using stats created by The Athletic, believe it or not, um, for some rankings in my fantasy baseball. I, I'm, I'm in different versions of leagues, right? So there's stat leagues, there's category leagues, there's head-to-heads, there's weeklies versus dailies, and uh, you know power versus five-tool kind of leagues as well. So you really got to be creative with how you put together your content. And the I couldn't believe that the athletic homepage right now is kind of focusing on a predictive fantasy baseball stat that they've kind of pioneered. And I went down the rabbit hole for about 25 minutes today. So I highly recommend that. While you're there, visit theathletic.com slash spot track. Get yourself 40% off your first year subscription. And, oh, by the way, even though I'm drafting fantasy baseball tonight, it is dynasty football season. Plenty of moves. Trades, signings, waves, releases, plenty of cap casualties this year. All of that matters to your dynasty football fantasy team. And there's no better place to start, finish, and stick around for a while than dynasty owner. Uh, Scott Knife here from Track had the pleasure of kind of beta testing this thing last year. It was outstanding. Really good interface, really good mobile app. Um, your bench points count. So this is like a 25-person roster kind of on a weekly basis. Just a lot going on. And oh, by the way, real NFL contracts. You're using the average salaries of real contracts for your players to stay under a salary cap. So right in our wheelhouse, and it was outstanding from our end. We highly recommend it from your end as well. DynastyOwner.com. Get you started today. My name is Mike Chinetti. Happy Sunday afternoon. Uh, you know, NCAA basketball blowout number one is past this, so I can kind of take a break here and, and talk some shop. Scott's going to be here in a couple of minutes. We're going to have a little FAQ section just kind of wrapping up some storylines across the sports world. A little bit of a break from NFL free agency as it sort of kind of tapers off at this point. We're now two weeks past, give or take, and most of the damage has been done. I imagine there's going to be a few more trades to have here, actual player trades, not just draft trades, and certainly that's something we'll get to in a few minutes as well. But we'll sort of uh, wean us ourselves away from the, uh, you know, the, the daily NFL transaction list as much as possible and get a little bit more global, a little more team building. You know, what does it mean from a football standpoint from a fantasy football standpoint from a betting standpoint those are the kind of angles we'll start to take now for the next couple of weeks leading up to the draft as well but uh kind of a back and forth today some nba questions certainly some nfl questions to talk about and then not to be outdone i'm not going to leave the nfl don't worry i'm going (laughs) to circle back to the quarterback carousel i'm going to run through every single team in the nfl right now and just give you a 30 second spin on what we thought might happen, what did happen at the quarterback position, and what what is still yet to come. And there's still plenty of that with a lot of teams, whether that means draft, whether that means trades, whether that means your quarterback doesn't even want to be there. <laughs> uh, you know, Certainly some of them need new contracts. So there's a, probably two-thirds of the league that has something going on at the quarterback position still on March 28th. So I'm going to circle back and uh, take a quick dive down every single team's situation at the back end of this show. But as as I mentioned... Let's get Scott in here on a, on a little Sunday sports spin around. Scott, you got some questions for me? I got a few for you. What do you think? Yeah, let's go back and forth. All right. Hit me. All right. Let's start with um, start with Major League Baseball here. Um, okay. are, what are you more surprised by that 
the valuations from Sportico came out. I'm not sure if you saw them. Yeah. But the Red Sox jumped the L.A. Dodgers with the help of the acquisition of LeBron getting in there. So they <laughs> squeaked over the Dodgers. Are, are you more surprised by that or that the Yankees didn't get to $7 billion? They're just under $7 billion? Give us the top five. Give us the top so five. T- all right, so top five is uh, $6.75 billion is the Yankees, followed by the Red Sox at 4.8, the Dodgers at 4.62, the Cubs at 4.14, and then the Giants at 3.49. Okay. And then it drops off drastically to the Mets. So let me at- ask you, because you kind of phrased that question specifically, is it, are these down? Are, have, no. have these lowered or are they are they still kind of building momentum here? They're still building momentum. And this is uh, the first year Sportico has done uh, the, the baseball. They've sort of they started with the NFL. Then they did NBA. Now they did MLB here. Forbes. I, I haven't seen the 2021 for Forbes yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't have that to compare. But, I, you know, the Yankees are just so far up there compared to number two with the Red Sox, but, uh, you know, even with a down year, you know, the Yankees are still, I mean, they're almost to that seven, seven billion dollar range. Where are we in compared to the NFL? I know you kind of followed that a little bit. I mean, it's, isn't Dallas around five? Are the Yankees worth 2 billion more than the Dallas Cowboys? Is that what we're saying here? The Dallas Cowboys are at, uh, 6.43 okay. billion. So on par, pretty comparable then. Uh, yeah. And, and, and that is based on the Sportico numbers that came out the, the Forbes and Sportico for NFL were a little bit different, um, in comparison. So, hmm. but yeah, you're right. The Yankees are up there with the, uh, Dallas Cowboys as far as comparison. So an LA Laker aligns with the Boston Red Sox and surpasses the Dodgers in evaluation. That is, well, it, it, that's good stuff. It, it, and the Dodgers won the, won yeah. it all. And they're still, you know, they didn't, they went up probably compared to what it would have been last year, but you know, the Red Sox still jumped over the Dodgers. They won it all. They're easily the betting favorites this year and they have a roster that can last. I mean, they've got, they've got a mini dynasty in them right now in terms of that roster as cousin Dan and I've talked about here on the show. So it surprises me that they're third. I'll say that out loud. Um, You know, I saw the LeBron James story and I kind of poo-pooed it because he's now thrown his hat in quite a lot of rings. And he's tied to this owner in Boston because there's a Liverpool tie. He's already already invested in Liverpool, which the Boston Red Sox owner is also um, attached to. So it just seems like there was an opportunity for him to get in. And of course, he's going to throw his money wherever he can you know, make a good investment. So it didn't surprise me, but now it's sort of, now you're making me think like he has maybe some significant investment. If, if things jump that high in terms of future valuation of the Boston Red Sox, because let's face it, it ain't ain't because of baseball, (laughs) right? I mean, that was, that was maybe their worst season of the decade of the past 10 years, the Boston Red Sox in terms of injuries, losing Mookie Betts, uh, trading David Price out of town, absolutely no pitching, losing your GM, you know, who's now in Philly, uh, a lot of things changed. So to have that kind of financial stability after such a tumultuous year from a baseball standpoint and an operations standpoint, 
maybe LeBron really got himself in here or, or well, LeBron plus other investors, I guess. Right. Yeah. And, and the group that he's joining is owns the Red Sox. They have NASCAR, they right. have Liverpool. They're in a little bit of everything. So you've got to think him being in that entire group now is raising the value of that entire group. Subsequently, the Red Sox and everything else attached. I would imagine it's less about how much money they invested and more about their reach. I mean, that group specifically now, you're right, has such a reach across the sports and international world um, or landscape that that's going to be good t- good times for merchandise, for branding, you know what I mean? Things like that with, attached to the Boston Red Sox. I mean, well, it, there's a huge Liverpool yeah. following here. Huge. And, you know, the fact that LeBron's name is attached to that every now and then in the news, that's only good news for them. So if that's going to happen here with Boston, that's only good news for the Boston Red Sox. Well, it, and it, it makes you wonder, you know, we've seen a little bit more and more Patrick Mahomes with the Royals, right. now LeBron with the Red Sox. How how much are we going to get into this cross, not, not only cross-platform, but cross-sport uh, investment? I mean, we're seeing, we talked about this back in the summer, how a lot of athletes have been investing in soccer, yeah. MLS, NWSL, overseas soccer, you know, but we really hadn't seen outside of like an, you know, Aaron Rodgers. I think it has some mm-hmm. in, the box. In, in the box. Right. Yeah. So I, I'm interested to see if LeBron going in with the Red Sox and Mahomes in Kansas City, does that help push more athletes to get into the big four? You know, do they sure. want to get into NHL? Do they want to get into baseball? And if they do get into baseball more, is this going to help? baseball's not only you know valuations but do their mindset getting into the ownership groups help foster baseball towards today's generation because you're getting today's generational athletes yeah that that's the point to take away here because let's be fair you know patrick mahomes is probably a pretty smart dude he may be sitting in board meetings right now with the royals i i don't know his level of connection you know, I, I don't know what what kind of ownership he takes, what kind of role he has with the Royals, but you know, it's very, very possible that they allowed him, and, and you know, it's you have to create an opening. They allowed him to invest X dollars of ownership to become an influencer, and and that's what this is. It yes. is it is you are powerful, and, and by the way, that has changed. Okay, it's no longer LeBron sitting on TV with a bottle of Sprite. Those days are probably done, especially for LeBron, because all he has to do is throw one tweet out or one Instagram post or one live IG video or whatever. And Mahomes has already mastered this in a, in a very organic way. His interactivity with other athletes on Twitter and things like that, they, they are viral gold mines. So if, if he's able to bring that to the Royals, right, a seemingly you, you know, tedious, monotone franchise for so many years, even though they had some success... If he can bring a little bit of flair and organic kind of pizzazz to them in social media, that's worth that's worth the moon to the Kansas City Royals. And that's what we're going to see more of. Yeah, we'll let you in on a piece of the pie, however kind of you know much you want to throw our way. And just uh, you know, just shout us out every now and then. Hashtag Royals, right? Hashtag Red Sox from LeBron. That's invaluable to these franchises, whether you're the Red Sox or the Tampa Bay Rays. You know, whether you're second on that list or 30th on that list in terms of the valuations, everybody kind of moves forward 
when people in power, social media power, influencers, do their thing the right way. And I think it's it was very clear early on that Mahomes had that kind of charisma. And that's why he's in every commercial already. And you know, even before the Super Bowl wins, he was everywhere. So it's it's a no-brainer. And it's so simple now. You know, it's not even get a production crew together and, and let's get this this kid on camera or whatever it's going to be. It's just, you know, you're sitting at home, you're watching the Royals game, throw it on IG for us. <laughs> you know what I mean? Take a live video of you watching our game. That'd be That's enough. That works. So, yeah, we're going to see more of this. We're going to see more of these people um, offered investment opportunities or ownership opportunities with that kind of kickback. Just just follow us. Just be a fan. If you're a fan, you'll bring you'll bring everybody else with you. All right. All right. I got one for you here. Got, let's let's switch yeah, over to the NBA here. A little bit more technical, Scott, because we did have some news. Uh, we had a nice big um, NBA trade deadline show. And I'll get, you, I'll get you some quick thoughts on that uh, maybe later in the show here. But it's buyout season now. We've had, I don't know, three or four. Two notable. Marcus Aldridge out of San Antonio, 100% expected. And Andre Drummond, 100% expected out of Cleveland. I'm going to give you the option, okay? Because one of them is going to be a very long answer with lots of ranting. And one of them can be very simple and calculated. So you can answer, A, should buyouts exist? <laughs> Or B, how do those two players fit with their new teams respectively? And how much are they going to cost their new teams for the rest of the season? I'm going to let you pick the path we go down here. <laughs> I'm going to go B first. Okay. <laughs> All right. So LaMarcus Aldridge is reportedly going to the Nets. And he is going to make approximately... Uh, $878,000 in cash. Okay. Uh, the cap hit will be lower than that because it'll be a two year minimum vet. So it, they'll, the nets will save a little bit there because the cap will be lower. Um, Wait, is it far, a two year deal or is it just through the rest of the season? It's just through the rest yeah, of the okay. season. What I see, I'm just saying it'll be a two year vet minimum I for the cap hit itself. So as far as Aldridge going to the nets, you know, it's interesting because I saw it was the Nets. I saw Miami was in there. The Nets, they just got Blake Griffin. They have DeAndre Jordan. Now they're getting LaMarcus Aldridge. Kind of, you know, it's kind of a weird fit. With, but I guess with all the injuries and if one of those big men go down, another big man can come in. But Aldridge really hasn't played, you know, well or at, it, at all in San Antonio as they sat him for games because they knew they were going to, if they didn't trade him, they were going to buy him out. Mm -hmm. um, I saw a few things, you know, Sports Center ran it, and I saw it some on, on some Twitter where the rich get richer. But, you know, Aldridge had his pick of pretty much any team that he wanted to. So, you know, I, I saw Bobby Marks even say, pump the brakes on that rich get richer because Aldridge was able to handpick out of all the teams to go to the Nets. And I, I kind of agree with him because he could have gone to Miami. He could have gone to the box. Yeah, clearly been... not playing doesn't, doesn't bother him. <laughs> right? No, not at all. <laughs> he, he's going to get paid. And, you know, he gave back a significant amount of money to uh, San Antonio, $7.25 million. He wow. gave back. Uh, so he gave a lot to go to an instant contender you know, San Antonio was in the playoff mix right now, but they were like five, six, you know, somewhere in there and could move based on how they would go down the stretch here. But 
him going to the Nets, it's going to be interesting. They've had some injuries. You know, Kyrie was out for a few games here for a family matter. Durant's been out longer than expected, I think. Uh, Harden has really picked it up there. Mm-hmm. And like I said, he he's there with, with some already big guys. So I guess Steve Nash is just going to have the, the pick of who's rotating in as we get down the stretch here. And they're just, they're, they're making themselves as deep as possible. Did, did they have to remove somebody from the roster to make this acquisition? Uh, I think they already had a roster spot if I remember correctly. So they were able to fit him in. I think they may have one more spot in addition to once Aldridge gets in there too. I mean, you know, I'm doing kind of a deep dive on their roster here, positionally speaking, which is a whole discussion in itself because, you know, positions aren't positions anymore in the NBA. But if you're, if you're looking at it with a grain of salt, Scott, Aldridge and DeAndre Jordan are really the only true centers on this team. Everybody else is a little bit more flexible in a three, four role who can also maybe play some five. So if you're just talking about maybe, maybe some depth for Jordan, which that, you know, that makes sense, especially down the stretch. Um, if you can fit this guy in at a vet men, I guess you, you're not going to say no. You're, you're right. There were there were definitely more playing opportunities elsewhere out there for him. Um, and I saw some people messaging out there saying, uh, I can't remember who specifically, but you know Nicholas Claxton, his, yeah. his minutes are now going to go down, who has had a pretty good year and has been stepping up in that role for the Nets. Uh, so bringing in Aldridge is going to take away from minutes from his growth and his going down the stretch here. So, yeah. But if we transition to to Drummond, you know he, he was he should have cleared waivers already, so it should be coming in soon. He's, it's reported that he's going to the Lakers. Uh, <laughs> his his deal is going to be less than Aldridge because he only has eight years experience. So he's going to make uh, seven hundred ninety four thousand dollars in cash. Uh, again, his he'll be at a vet minimum cap hit of 554,000. So it'll be, you know, lower for the Lakers to have to sign him at the minimum there. Um, It's a smart move for the Lakers with Davis being injured and they moved, um, they had moved McGee. So now you, you, you get a big man again, right now for, for the teams that are taking on these players uh, out of this buyout, which we'll get to door a here in a second. Um, it's all about acquiring guys for the depth for the run uh, because we've seen, you know, LeBron got injured, but he had been playing so much. Davis has been out. Um, I know they've had a few other injuries that they've had. Dudley is out uh, with his injury. So they're just acquiring as many guys as possible that could fit in the rotation as we get closer to the playoffs, especially if they're able to lock in, a, a playoff spot in, in a decent, you know, seed and maybe give some guys some rest as they get into the playoffs and go deep. So Drummond was due what about 28, seven this year. I know there were some numbers out there. Do we have any kind of confirmation on what he took? Did he, I mean, was, is it a full it buyout? Like, uh, according to Bobby Marks this afternoon, it was for the exact same amount that he is going to the Lakers for. So for the seven hundred and ninety-four thousand dollars in change, so Cleveland's was, paying him twenty-eight million dollars this year, Scott. Uh, yeah, it'll be a little less than the twenty-eight. Oh my god! All right, let's take a pause live on the air here because I have to see this before we transition into our rant. 
This guy played 25 games for the Cleveland Cavaliers. <laughs> and made $28 million. And it's not because of injury. And he sat for six. That's what I'm saying. Before. It's not because of injury. It is because there was a business relationship decision decision to sit this guy. Yes. For what reason, Scott? Because now if you're Cleveland, what the fielding, hell did you just do? They're fielding trade offers. But they, they didn't, didn't get, get one. Any, they didn't get one. So what did they just do? Is this legal tanking? Is this uh, what is this? Do you know? Do you understand what I'm saying here? Yeah, I do. Because I these guys are, haven't been getting traded now for five years. Right. And, you, and can can I add on to this? I, I want to add on to this yeah. because it, it was it came out yesterday, late last night. Al Horford with the Oklahoma <laughs> I know. City Thunder. They are they're Andre drumming him. him. <laughs> they're well, they're making him inactive for the remainder of the year, and they are going to work with him yeah. to facilitate a trade or, or a buyout because he still has two years left and a, a, a gargantuan amount of money. And there is the reciprocated agreement that we will make you inactive, but you're still going to be on on the bench and helping and, and molding the players. He's and, a $25 and million dollar assistant coach. Yes, yes. Okay. What so, are we doing? So so Andre Drummond, Blake Griffin. Griffin, I guess I can understand a little bit more because he's just been injured so much. So, you know, you don't even want to see him play too much because you just, you know, at some point something's going to go wrong. Drummond's 100% healthy and and putting up production. He's scoring points and grabbing boards. He's doing, you know, a prorated version of what he did 15 years ago as a superstar player. So he's going to help. I mean, he's going to be a factor for the Lakers. But nobody was going to trade for the $28 million. Why? No. Because never. social media exists. Because guys like you and I and people way up the ladder have been talking about Andre Drummond leaving Cleveland since last August. Because we look at the contracts. Sorry, we put them out there. <laughs> we all look at the contracts. And we know the timing. We know exactly when things are going to happen. Right? And we can, we can call this a player empowerment area, era. But it's not even that anymore. Because this is something that the Cleveland Cavaliers decided to do, mutually speaking, air quotes, right? Mutually speaking. We're going to take care of Drummond to make sure that his next destination works out as best as possible for him. What are we doing here? The Cleveland Cavaliers get... There's no compensatory draft picks for Andre Drummond. They get jack squat for this guy. They get the right to pay him $28 million this year for 25 games, 720 minutes, no playoffs, and no compensation coming back so what is the conversation what what is this this is the worst thing in sports right now seriously these are it is. these are b superstar players being able to say when they stop playing in a given year because they're going to eventually whenever the window opens up properly they're going to eventually have their decision to take their money go home sit with their families and figure out where their next team is going to be they get all the control here they get the money and the choice. It's like a no trade clause with a 100% guaranteed buyout. What are we doing here? I, I don't get it. I, I, LeBron James well, could do this tomorrow if he wanted to. If the Lakers were a disaster, he could walk up to, to Jeannie Buss and say, uh -huh. I'm leaving right now and I'm taking the 67 million or the 75 million that, that I have left. I'm going to put that in my bank account, give some to the Boston Red Sox, give a little bit to Liverpool, and I'm going wherever the hell I want to go now. I'm going to Miami. Miami sounds great. These kids look fun. Let's go. I'm going to go play with them again. 
He could do this tomorrow if he wanted to. That's where we are right now in this league. So something has to give because this is a bad Cleveland team getting absolutely nothing for doing this, except for what? Good sportsmanship? A trophy? (laughs) Participation? Like, what do you get? You got to sell Drummond's jersey for three weeks? I I, I don't understand this at all. Somebody smart out there, please chime in at Trek on Twitter and, and explain to me what Cleveland just did, because it, it, this is now a thing. This is an annual thing. It's not just duds getting bought out, latching on to teams. Th- these are legitimate players, and, and this guy's going to make a real, real difference in the postseason. And the fact that these guys are allowed to not play in the postseason is a whole nother part of this, right? I mean, they have free reign to pick their, their team, and they can make an immediate impact and go win a, ri- win a ring right now, immediately. You know, it's, it's like the college transfer portal, where for years and years and years, there was that you have to sit out a year part of it. They're changing that too. So isn't that where college sports is going, (laughs) right? It's going to be the same damn thing. When quarterback one from Nebraska hates Nebraska four weeks in, he might be on Florida State by week 10. So we're getting in a real slippery slope here. And it's not even empowerment anymore. It's, It's what is going on, right? Yeah, and and you and I had a conversation offline about this exact thing because I was asking you questions about you know with in respect to Major League Baseball, and you're right there there is an issue when at the beginning of the season they're even having buyout candidates when trade talks are being <laughs> guilty thrown out there. So, it, but it's the fact that they already know that these players are going to be bought out, and, and there is no set metric for buyouts. Like I just said, Aldridge yeah. gave back seven and a quarter million dollars. And that's rare. San Antonio. Correct. And it, it, it is rare. Okay. It's usually not that much. I, I have seen more where the drum in effect has happened, where that they're just going to buy out for the amount that the other team is going to pay them for the, that minimum amount of money. But there, there is no, you know, set percentage or anything like that. So it, it's all up to the negotiation tactics of the, the team and the player and their agent, you know, Cleveland, they sat on their hands for as long as they did because they knew this was going to happen. They knew he, they weren't going to be able to move them. And this is a downfall to the NBA having their full cap hit, having to transfer mm-hmm. from one team to the other You're right. in major league baseball it's adjusted and it's what's remaining. Uh, I, I think there does need to be a better hard and fast rule that at the trade deadline, your, your player is either moved or if they're bought out, they are not allowed to be playoff eligible right now. It's April 9th. So you're seeing a handful of guys being waived. You can, they can go sign with anybody else. I know when we were talking, major league baseball has sort of, you know, cut that off at the knees where there is no secondary. Yeah. The August waiver waiver trades. Right. Right. And then we were going back and forth with, well, how can that work because of, you know, the restructuring and major league baseball has the, that rule where you can't make the value of the contract go lower. So that's probably where, uh, uh, we don't see baseball players as much buyout, and then go to another team because it doesn't work. I mean, Scott, the the fact that Drummond didn't at least chop off the 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 game the game checks for the games he sat on his ass, that sucks. 
It does. At least take at least take that route. All right. You sat on your ass and don't. And maybe it was Cleveland's decision. Fine. Still do it. Still, th- th- it's ridiculous what we just well, went through in Cleveland with this Drummond situation. And now he gets to be a Laker and play in this postseason and do whatever the hell he wants and make twenty eight point seven million dollars this year. It's unbelievable. And this is why I gave kudos the other day to Detroit for just cutting it, cutting it off with Blake Griffin right then and there. Yeah. Save whatever money that you're going to save ahead of time. Let him go do what he's going to do. But at least you got in front of it. And they Cleveland could have done this. You're right, Scott. They, they should have just they should have just caught him. You're you're same, absolutely right, Scott. Same with San Antonio. If you knew, we all knew they were delusional in thinking they could get a trade. That's a that's a yes. great point, Scott. Yeah, the Cavs. You know, they didn't think they were going to trade him. So just move on. Let's move forward. Aldridge, same situation. We all knew that these players weren't going to get traded because their cap hits were so high. They weren't going to be used in matching purposes. Teams knew they were playing chicken with all these teams. They knew we're just going to wait till the trade deadline passes and we're going to look. Look at how much we're they're going to pay. They're going to pay $797,000 <laughs> to have this player come on their roster for X amount of days. So the buyout almost needs to be ha- has to happen before the trade deadline, and yeah. then you have your trade deadline, and then it, you move on. And once the trade deadline happens, your players are if if a player is waived after that, they are they can be on a roster, but they cannot play in the playoffs. All right, period. I, let's let's pivot a little bit. I know you've got some gripe with their with the NBA injured reserve list as well. What do you have to say about that? Yeah, so. You know, it's a similar conversation with the, this injured reserve. There is no injured reserve in the NBA. And I think going into this new CBA, they need to sort of build in a roster spot where you can either, you know, even in like fantasy, we can do one or two players as an injured reserve for X amount of days, or if it is season ending injury, then they can go on and you can fill in a roster spot because we're seeing guys that are moved and then getting cut and they're, they're out. So an example is Marquise Chris from golden state, San Antonio, golden state sent Marquise Chris to San Antonio with cash and San Antonio is waving Marquise Chris. He has been out all season with a season ending injury and the, the, the Golden State Warriors just moved him off his roster so that they could sign other guys in the right. buyout market or, you know, guys to 10 days so that they can stay within, you know, filling in guys to see how they're going to play with the team and then sign them to a, you know, a standard. Why do you think they don't have it, Scott? Why do you think every other league does this but the NBA? I don't know why the NBA does not have an injured reserve slot. I mean, it it is something that we've seen in the past few years where teams have been riddled with injuries and they have to fill in players. They can. So Clay Thompson has been taking up a spot the whole year. Right. Well, in one team that comes to mind is Memphis Grizzlies a year or two ago, they ended up having throughout the entire season, like 26 or 27 players on their roster at one time, because they were signing guys to multiple 10 day contracts. And when they were up, they were going with new guys for 10 day contracts because they had so many injuries. 
Yes, the NBA can, the teams can sign up for the disabled player exception, but they can only do it up to a certain extent. And then when they do get that money, they can only use it to a certain threshold within the year. Usually it's within March this year, I think is like beginning of April, if I remember correctly, but there, there are limitations. So if they had this injured reserve list, whether it's give them one or two spots, if it's a season ending injury, you know, the Orlando magic with Fultz and Isaac, they could have placed these two guys on it. And then they free up two roster spots to allow some guys from the G league or two way players to be signed to standard contracts. You're making, you're making more jobs for your players. Clay Thompson's a great example. You know, he, he was out, what two years in a row here so let them right and this one was basically that you know before opening day i mean you know this this could have been something golden state could have resolved before before we even got started here so um yeah right and they made the uber a trade because of this happening yeah you know so let me ask you this because you mentioned the g league scott wasn't really a thing the last iteration of the cba you know you know the the up and down really wasn't a thing with the nba and the roster movement and the management process it's becoming a big thing. And I think it's going to become even more and more of a thing once every single team has their own G league team. And there's a true minor league system in place, which I know Keith Smith on our show has said, we're, we are very quickly trending towards that. So if that's part of this new CBA, I would imagine this discussion has to be happening because you're going to want to be able to bring some of those guys up uh, a little bit easier, you know, in, in an easier fashion, which an injured list would allow versus having to waive somebody, a, a non-guaranteed wave to, to make room for a guy. This at least gives you a chance to evaluate some of those players a little bit while there's an injury happening. Now, let me ask you this question. Is there any concern that the NBA would abuse that list? I mean, has that been the, the reason to kind of stay away from it? Possibly. And that's why I say if they do go into something like this, there's got to be a rule where it's either one or two sw- slots and – I almost say it has to just be designated for season ending injuries period. Okay. So that would, that would, that would mitigate Kevin Durant or Anthony Davis going on that for, you know, baseball uses their seven and 10 and 15, which is really flexible because a guy on seven ends up being on there for 60 or 50 anyways. But I say it, it should be season ending injury only for the fact that, yeah, you're right, teams would abuse it. They would throw Durant on there, sign a guy for the two weeks or three weeks that Durant is out, and then they would waive him, and then they may sign him to a 10-day contract later. <laughs> it, it would get it would get to be a transactional nightmare per se. So I think to at least start, give the teams the season-ending injury one or two spots, whatever they want to do, and then go from there because it, it's – it is horrible for a player that is on a team to, you know, just for matching purposes to just offload to another team that wants to take on the dead cap just because they want to acquire some cash or draft picks or whatever and then and then waive him even though he gets he it's guaranteed at this point but they're waiving him and when, you know, a team like Golden State may have wanted to keep his rights for when for signing him down, especially for expiring contracts, you know, if it was an expiring contract, they 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 lose those rights unless they keep him on the roster the entire time. Do you think the 
postseason eligibility of buyout players will be a big thing with this next CBA, or maybe not because all the really great franchises are abusing it right now and they don't want to give it up. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that is the latter. I don't think teams are necessarily going to want to give that up because they're getting these players that were signed to bonkers money and getting them on the dirt cheap for, uh, you know, two months, month and a half. And then they go into the playoffs and then there'll be a free agent. They get non bird rights on them, but there'll be free agents if they don't want to resign them. So they're, they're temporary players that you're right. These good teams, you're not, you're never going to see a buyout player go to the Minnesota Timberwolves. I mean, <laughs> it's just, it's not going to happen. So I, I would not be surprised if it does come up in those conversations, but I, I think the, the top GMs are going to say, no, we want to continue having this. Yeah. All right. Anything else for me? NFL base, maybe? Uh, let's go. Let's go Major League Baseball again. All right. So as we we're entering days from opening. Yeah. Opening, where are we on this whole luxury tax situation? It's pretty boring stuff. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's the Dodgers and nobody else. Really? And yes, uh, look, there's, you know, I've Yankees got, already been up there. I've got a lot of pre-arb salaries to get in here still that that's going to shift. And, and those kind of salaries don't come to my attention really until right at the about opening day. So I've got estimations in for a lot for most of the younger players right now, um, with the exception of a few of the superstars who their salaries have leaked out already. But just using the estimated pre-arbs and everybody, everything else is set in stone. I mean, we're, we're formulating our, our 40-man rosters, 26-man active opening day rosters right now. It's going to be a whole week process. But as we currently stand, Scott, the Dodgers are the only team over that threshold right now. And the threshold is 210 this year. And, and the Dodgers are pretty handedly over. All right, They're about 46 and change over according to our numbers, which only equates to about a $19 million tax, tax uh, payment. Um, and they get all year to shed that so they can bring that down, you know, a, a trade here, a wave here, things like that and, and mitigate that so, a bit. But Boston and the Yankees are, are, are edging that threshold. The Astros and the Phillies are kind of there too. And, and honestly, the Padres big offseason has them with less than 10 million of space to work with as well. So, you know, there's a bunch of teams kind of hanging around, but it's the Dodgers and everybody else. And that's what you need to know about both cash payrolls and tax payrolls. I mean, our cash payrolls, again, estimations because we're, uh, we're kind of waiting on a bunch of the, of the younger salaries, but we're talking 60 million between the Dodgers 40 man and the Phillies at number two, <laughs> 60 million. It is, it, it is big, big time. Uh, gaps and there's a reason that the Dodgers are who they are right now and they, and they're they're paying like they're good they are built like they're like they're good they are acting like they're good and Vegas is assessing them as if they're going to be continue to be good so it's it's boring right now but look you know those teams that are kind of hanging near the threshold right now Scott you know if Boston has a bit of a renaissance and comes back they're going to be buyers and that's going to potentially push them over or, or make them kind of get creative to, to stay under while adding pieces. Same goes for the Yankees, you know, and, and I'm, I'm fully convinced that 
their their kind of five million ish of space to work with is the reason Aaron Judge doesn't have a contract, Glaber Torres doesn't have a contract, and and things like that. And the Astros, they could be going completely the other way. Now, I still think they're a, a solid team, but you've already seen some of those pieces fall off that roster just because of free agency and or trades and or injuries with Furlander. So, you know, you know well, they could become up. sellers to kind of reverse their tax process is where I'm saying. And same could go for the Philadelphia Phillies, who they've got some big, big salaries and big contracts on that team. But if they're the fourth team in the National League East come June 1st, there's going to be some people kind of clamoring to, to sell parts. And oh, by the way, they've got a Boston uh, president of operations now, Dave Dombrowski, who he is... Uh, you know, year in, year out. If it's a bad year, he'll sell. And if it's a good year, he'll buy. He he kind of rolls with the punches and he's he's been good and fluid in that in that regard. So keep an eye on Philly and Houston. Even though they're right up against it right now, they could be going the other way. And that could mean good things for teams trying to push, trying to add in 2021, who may not care so much about their tax number, but want to add pieces. When didn't I see Correa declined an extension yeah. to that was pretty significant so six for 120 and uh we're gonna have a whole show with cousin dan i, I decided this I'm about shortstops and i know that sounds like the worst show ever in the history of podcasts but but there are there there is such a big good talented group of young shortstops and it's like that range from 22 years old to 28 years old and like nine of them could get $250 million contracts right now in, in a perfect world. So it, it's a very, very interesting situation. I have no idea from a name-to-name name, name basis how it's going to work out. I mean, you know, Javi buys with the Cubs. Are the Cubs going up or down, <laughs> right? Trevor Story with the Rockies. I think they might be the worst team in baseball. So what happens to his him financially? And then, you know, Frankie Lindor with the Mets, he tur- he's turning down anything under $300 million right now. So that's kind of the high bar with this shortstop situation. So, you know, Correa turning down $120 million, it makes sense to me because it's similar to how we talk about court, uh, quarterback, Scott. You're just waiting for the next guy to reset the market. That's really what's happening. The problem is, and I'll kind of bury the lead here, is this shortstop situation going to turn into the wide receiver situation we just had in the free agency market for, for the NFL where, you know, the Giants paid Kenny Galladay but everybody else got $8 million. <laughs> you know? Nelson Aguilar yeah. got a little bit of an overpay, things like that. There were a little bit of anomalies. But kind of ironically, the, the New York team overpaid the one wide receiver and everybody else came way down. Is the New York Mets baseball team going to overpay Frankie Lindor and everybody else going to lowball their current shortstop? So it, it, there's, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of yin and yang back and forth with how that's going to work out. But yeah, Houston could go either way. I imagine the Yankees are going to be buyers here. Boston could go either way based on how their seasons kind of unfolds. Same with the Phillies. And if the Padres haven't, if they smell the Dodgers in the middle of June, if if they're there, if they're within reach of the Dodgers and cousin Dan seems to think that they're going to be, they're going to add, they're they're going to keep the the gas pedal down because they just don't have those kind of opportunities. And, And they know that they've got lighting in a bottle right now with a couple of those young kids. So you know, it's boring right now, financially speaking, but it could be very, very fun come July 1st. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think the shortstop only conversation would be really fascinating, yeah. especially to see what Cousin Dan would have to say about all of that. Because I know down here, the conversation has been Trey Turner. And Same he's combo. Sign and how, how much he's going to 
signed for because he is a little bit older than some of these other guys. So it might be his one and done contract. Let me, let me ask you this. How much is, do you think teams are sort of holding off as much as possible with these extensions knowing that there's going to probably be a new collective bargaining. And with that, well, with that being said, you know, the Dodgers are, you know, so far above that threshold. If we go into that new CBA and we've sort of talked about this before, but it, it, it should be brought up again, going into this season. Now that we're here with that new CBA, we don't know what the repeater tax could be. I mean, it could be way more significant than it is right now if they collectively bargain that yeah. or the tax repeater tax could go away. I mean, if they wanted to negotiate that. So is this the Dodgers saying we just don't care yes. what is going on in, in, in that CBA and we are going pedal to the metal and we want to win a back-to-back right now and we could care less about the tax? 100%. I think they're acting like baseball is going to shut down in eight months. <laughs> and if they have back-to-back World Series before that happens, then – we're we're all going to be thinking Dodgers as the last thing we see in baseball, right? Before whatever changes happen, financial, you know, will shifts be here? What happens to the luxury tax? Tax is anybody going to bring up the uh, you know the Voldemort term of hard salary cap in Major League Baseball? Uh, you know, there's a lot of things that could change. You know, DHs, uh, you know, extra innings, double headers on Sundays, all these things that have kind of come up. Robot umpires. All that stuff is going to is going to drive the narrative for Major League Baseball starting next November 1st. But if the Dodgers can win back-to-back World Series right now and that's the last taste of baseball we get, that's invaluable to them. It's going to be the best. So who cares? And you never know that you know, even if the repeater tax remains in the next iteration of the CBA, they may waive any current tax standings. So everybody starts at zero. You know, in 2022, for instance, or 2023, I think they're banking on the fact that things are going to change so much that let's just let's win right now, get it out of the way and then deal with whatever comes after that. But they're acting like a big market. And I wish more teams did this personally. Uh, Yeah, I I was just going to say, you know, why isn't Boston? Why isn't New York? And why isn't, you know, some of these other, well, I think the Yankees have a chance to do this. I, I've crushed them a little bit and I've had, I have a couple guests on to kind of bring me down to earth a little bit. I just think they're not doing it in March. You know, we talk about this in NFL free agency all the time. Some of those, some of the best teams at the end of the year didn't do a damn thing. March 17th, you know, they did, they trickled in with a couple of signings in late March. They made a nice trade in August or in April and then they did their business during the season, right? Waiver claims, maybe an in-season trade at the deadline, something that to ruffle the feathers. But it's generally not good business to, to do all of your homework that first week of the offseason and to try to change your team drastically then and spend a, b- a bunch of money then. So, you know, the Dodgers didn't necessarily do that. They, they certainly brought in the big fish in Bauer. But, you know, they've, they've, they've been retaining their own. And, and the Yankees just didn't go that route. They they did retain a couple of players in LeMay, who brought back Brett Gardner. Um, they added a couple of veteran pitchers. But I think that they're set up and, and tax with notwithstanding, they, I think they don't care if they go over and they're winning. If they're, if they're the best team in the American League, and it's clearly Yankees in the AL and Dodgers in the NL, I think they're going to go. I think there's, there's going to be, let's go find more pitchers. Let's go find a, a couple more depth bats. 
and whatever that costs us, we're going to, we're going to be a little bit more reckless with our thinking. So where you have the Dodgers, maybe do it a little bit earlier this year. I think the Yankees could be the mid season version of that. You know, do you think teams will buy sooner than later this season going, knowing that they're going into this new CBA? No. Meaning, do you think a, a big name, I'm not saying Mike mm. Trout would get okay. traded, but okay. should, should a, should a team like almost like bird rights, huh? <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you don't know where, like you just said, if the Dodgers are going to go into this, not knowing saying if the, you know, that's very interesting, bad, Scott. You know, why, why don't the Yankees or the Phillies well, put an offer out there to trade for Mike Trout well, right now? How about the shortstop conversation? Like what if you're, what if you're a shortstop needy team? And you know that the that the Cubs probably are never going to pay Javi Bias because they're just going in the wrong direction to pay that guy that contract. And if you bring him in with the with the agreement that hey we're going to hold off on this extension until things kind of cl- become more clear as to where baseball is going, now you do have that guy, a- and you can let the finances change or whatever is going to change in baseball. And again, it's like bird rights; you kind of have him here. And when it's time, when it's right, then you pay him the 250 or whatever it's going to be. So, yeah, there could be some poaching of almost to free agency guys, right? Your ARB3, your ARB4 guys, for instance, that you could transition into this new CBA with and kind of hope maybe it works out better for you financially. Last question regarding this is with the reduction of the minor league system, you know, should teams use those players now that they have in the system for trade purposes because the the amount you know we're not it's not going to be as deep of a prospect pool as it has been in the last 10 years because we're reducing the amount of teams not amount of players the draft is supposedly going to get shorter right so should teams try to trade as many of those players now knowing that they're not going to have as many to trade or if they do have them to trade they're going to be more more premier more wanted when yeah. they do facilitate trades yeah i think the, the latter I, I think the, i think because there'll be a smaller pool to, the question will be will these guys be properly developed <laughs> you know like if there's a truncated minor league, not just a system, but also a schedule, it sounds like, and that, that might not go back, you know, it's going to be a, they're going to start much later in triple a and squash that season down about three fourths. I'm not sure that rebounds, you know, it's such a crapshoot in the Northeast with weather anyway, with many of these organizations that, um, I just think from, from a money standpoint and from a, I don't know, just a hierarchy standpoint that things are going to be trimmed down and that's going to piss a lot of people off. But, you know, will the 12th round pitcher who sometimes comes in and is a phenomenal number two in in Major League Baseball for 10 years, will that guy be gone? Because that guy didn't get the reps he needed or didn't get the time to learn that third pitch or whatever it takes. Or is it the exact opposite, Scott? Have we been overthinking and overdeveloping this process the whole time and can it be like every other major sport right now where we can bring 19-year-olds in and they can figure it out on the fly because they've been doing this stuff in academy, skipping high school, most of these kids, right, to go play baseball basically 100% of their life. And they're, they've been ready. We just forced them to go through this process for financial purposes. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, will that be a bittersweet version of what comes out of this next iteration of baseball where, you know, free agency is completely gone then, completely gone? Because if the 19-year-olds start to come out in surpluses and you start getting pitchers, starting pitchers, center fielders and shortstops, you know, prime positions at that age immediately, well, veteran baseball is dead. It's just dead. And, yeah. you know, that's what we're worried about with, with the NFL, with quarterbacks, <laughs> you know, or especially running backs, right? The, mm-hmm. the immediacy of turnover because the kids can come and do it right out of the gate. So there's a little bit of concern with me with that, that a lack of minor leagues just means those guys are coming right to the big leagues and they're taking jobs away right out of the gate. Last question with baseball before we jump to NFL here. Looking at the the payrolls, the bottom of the payroll, we saw Tampa Bay get to where they got last year being with such low payroll. You know, I know that division is, you know, stocked right now outside of Baltimore. Is there another team outside of the Rays in the bottom of the payrolls that you think has a pretty legit chance of making the playoffs this year? Absolutely. It's it's an easy answer for me. The Indians are going to have a $50 million payroll, cash payroll, when this is all said and done. And I'm pretty sure they're winning 85 games. I'm pretty okay. sure that they can win 85 games this year. They're not going to win their division, in my opinion, but they're going to they're going to have enough to be in contention for a wild card spot. And they may have the third or fourth lowest payroll in all of baseball this entire season. So, to me, that's an easy dark horse. And I'll never count out the Marlins. I've been watching this Marlins team grow up now for the past three years as a Mets fan, and they have been annoyingly pestering everybody in that National League East. They are just sneaky good, sneaky well coached. Their pitchers are better say, than you, you think. Go ahead. Do you think that they were, I, I was going to say, if you didn't bring them up, were they an anomaly last no. year or are no. they legit moving forward? No, they they've they have a really strong international crop of players who love to work hard. And Donnie Baseball just kind of knows how to get the best out of them. They're not going to be, you know, not going to win any divisions, in my opinion, anytime soon. But they have enough talent, raw talent, to beat you on a given day. And if we, if we play a full 162, they're going to win enough games to be relevant. So, you know, they may not r- repeat what they did last year in the shortened season, but they're going to be annoying <laughs> to a lot of national league teams this year. There's no question about it. Okay. All right. We'd be remiss if we didn't bring this up, by the way. Um, it's all but done, all but set in stone that the NFL is going 17 games, Scott. It sounds I like that, that has been agreed upon. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, obviously, financially speaking, this is bad news for the players. Okay. It's yes, bad it news. Is. All right. It is now paycheck base salary divided by 18 instead of 17. And why do we do 18? Because we count the bye week. So there, there's 17 games plus the bye week. So it's less per week because, you know, in, unless you accounted for the fact that there was going to be 17 games this season and, and added a bonus. And by the way, some of these team players did Tom Brady has a $1.4 million bonus built in that automatically kicks in if they officially go 17 games. So I have seen a few of the, a few players do this. Here's the other thing, and you and I have talked about it. If your per-game bonuses say this in your contract, up to a maximum of $250, $250,000, that means up to a maximum, no matter how many games we play. So, so if that $250,000 was spread over 16 games at $15,000 per game, it's now $13,000 a game because there's 17 or whatever, whatever the math is in my head. Right. Um, so there's a lot of instances now where, where there's just going to be less per week for a lot of these players, you know, the minimum salaries aren't increasing that much. 
There was a bit of a boom built in for the next two seasons, knowing this was eventually going to come. But they didn't screw around. You, the, the owners had all the power here in that, in that last version of the CBA last March. And it was rushed. It was kind of thrown back and forth. There were a lot of chaos built into this so that some of this stuff was maybe missed by the majority of players out there. They were attacking the lower class and the middle class with increased um, rookie salaries and things like that and tenders. But this is here. This is here quicker than a year quicker than many of us thought it was coming. And there's no other way to say it, but this is less money for the players. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Less money for the players, more money in the teams and the league itself because you get that extra game. You get that extra revenue from ticket sales, concessions, uh, you know, ads, uh, you name it. And the players, they've already signed these contracts because free agency has already happened. Uh, So, you know, it's a at a disservice to the players that this is coming out now after all of these contracts have been signed. So pretty convenient, isn't it, Scott? Pretty convenient. convenient. You know, I'm interested to see, you know, when players do restructures now, how many players are going to do a restructure of a contract that just happened so that they can build in these 18 or 17 weeks or building in percentages instead of, up to a maximum of $25,000 or any of that. So, you know, they they have to start thinking forward, not where we have been for the last five years. Do you think we get to 18? Knowing the NFL, yeah, they, they would love to go to 18. I think, you know, again, they would make more money off of an 18 game if the preseason is reduced because, you know, you're getting – a hundred percent more yeah. fans in the stands as opposed to what go to uh preseason kids games. Day, now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Right. Kids day, you know, whatever it is, you know, half of beers are half off or if they even do that, they would never I, do that. <laughs> so yeah, I'm sure it's on the table, especially, especially with that new TV deal that just came in. They've got all these streaming platforms. They've got all these new, hands in the pot mm-hmm. amazon espn plus paramount plus you've got all these different ways to facilitate games i would not be shocked if they wanted to push it to that 18 I, I actually wonder if it's we'll stay at 17 and we will take away another preseason game but that means we're going to expand playoffs because that's even more valuable to everybody owners tv everybody um, whether that's some kind of play-in game, that's that's all the rage right now, you know. And the NBA is not getting rid of that. That's that's well, a big I'm, big deal. So, and I'm curious to see how you know they add this 17th game. Or do they shift everything? Because I know it's been talked about before how the schedule shifts so that the Super Bowl ends up on the long weekend of Martin Luther King there. So, um, yeah, I think it probably. Yeah, it might start earlier, right? Get rid of that first, that fourth preseason game. That's probably what's going to happen, because um, you want to you want to play nice with college football for the f- a couple of weeks there before you blow them out of the water. Um, look, having the odd games though, the seventeenth game, it, it does mean one thing: the Bears can no longer go eight and eight every year, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, I, you know what? I never even thought of that. There is no going to be yeah. a push. 
So there's always going to be a losing season yeah. in that case. Outside of oh, a that, tie. Outside of a tie, but yeah. No, but that that is very interesting. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So never thought of that. All right. That's enough on that. Less money. More money for everybody else. Less money for the players. We'll see if there's any creative additions or or maybe starting next year some some real creativity with how these contracts are structured. I'm going to give yeah. you the choice. You want to stick around for this quarterback conversation? Because I'm going to go rapid fire. Yeah, yeah, I do. Okay. So uh, can I pose my question to the other aspect that you want to go down? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Why so early? Why right. did what happened over the weekend it's a great, happen? That's a great point. Early as it did. This is I've, I've had three or four people text me about this, and that's been my, my response every single time. What in the world, outside of the fact that you know, the NBA trade deadline did generate some interest. Did the NFL just feel like they had, to get, you know, they had to get back into the news cycle? Like we need a draft trade right now. Somebody do something. Um, I have no idea. And look, you want, you want San Francisco to go to three. That's fine. That would have been enough. Why the hell did Miami then have to go to six right away? That's the one that I don't get yet. That, I, it sounds I, like that they, whatever wide receiver there, they were content. But but that didn't have to happen. Still the first. You do that. You do that. The day of the draft, that six p.m. deadline. That's when you do that. You get every offer possible. You know what I mean? I, I don't understand why you had to flip that 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 first trade so immediately. I I don't understand that that one really baffles me, because look. And I guess we can start here. I think the Eagles did phenomenal here. Phenomenal. And, you know, you're going to have your Eagles fans out there saying, well, we're, we're not going to get a guy at number six now. You know, we could have got a real player at number six. Let me tell you, peeps, you're not ready for a player at number six. Okay, not even close. Like, you just went through maybe the worst financial situation ever in terms of cap, in terms of dead cap on the quarterback you just had to get rid of and give up on. You're probably paying Doug Peterson four and a half, five million right now in buyout money, you know, in terms of cash flow. It's all bad. It's all bad. You cut your WR1 and Alshon Jeffrey, you cut Malik Jackson, you cut your, it's just all bad. So you weren't ready for quality, number six quality. You need quantity and they afforded themselves quantity, first round quantity. So there's a very, very good chance now that they kind of let 2021 happen and whatever happens, happens. And then they have three first round picks next year. You know, they're going to have their own. They're going to have San Francisco's and they're going to have Miami's. So, or excuse me, Indianapolis's because of the Carson Wentz trade, as long as he plays enough snaps for them, which is likely at this point. So right out of the, right off the bat, the first trade, or excuse me, the second trade, while I don't understand it, I don't know why Miami had to rush it. It's great news for Philadelphia. And it was always going to be great news for Philadelphia. So it's not like they were going to bail on that. <laughs> you know, they weren't going to bail on that. Here's the one I have to ask you about. Who did San Francisco just give up three firsts for? Well, and uh, let me add on to that. And per the rumors, they didn't even contact the Jets. Right. They, they contacted Cincinnati, they contacted Atlanta, and they contacted Miami. They didn't even call the Jets to see if the second option was even open. So, yeah, who are they going up for? Because if it goes Lawrence and then Wilson, yeah, Trey Lance, I guess? I, I, it has to be, I guess. Unless it's this. Uh, 
can I, can I throw this it, out there? Because this would satisfy. Is it the, offen- is it the offensive lineman? How? They, they, they just signed Trent Williams, $138 million contract. I, no, I know, but we've talked about <laughs> offensive linemen here forever yeah. and how yeah. important it is. So if they felt that they needed that depth, with you know, I don't know. I really don't. Well, know. let me throw this at you. Okay, you have the trade in front of you. Uh, I can pull it up. Okay, I, I just I, I need to to remember again what San Francisco actually gave up. I believe it was obviously a swap this year of twelve and three, and uh, then it so, was twenty twenty three first, twenty twenty two first, a twenty twenty three first, and a twenty twenty two third. Okay. So two, two. So let me ask you this, Scott. First and a third. Because this, this rumor, you know, guess, guesstimation, whatever I'm going to say here, it would satisfy both a reason to do it and a reason to do it now. Okay. Do they think that what they just gave up is value for what they can now get for number three? Do they think they just fleeced Miami because Miami was willing to do it early? Do you understand what I'm saying? Now that they hold number three for the next six weeks before this draft or five weeks, whatever it is. Yeah, but you get you gave up a first for next year and in 2023. Okay. They gave up their first, but they think they're probably going to be pretty good, even with Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo. But okay. you and I both know that there has been a team all off season since October 1st has been making moves like they are going to run through the NFL in terms of a trade or something. They clearly don't like their current quarterback. They have been clearing cap space for six months. You know who I'm talking about? We, we have, Carol- yes, we Carolina. have no idea what the Carolina Panthers yeah. have been doing for the last 18 months. None. Right. It, it, none of it makes sense in terms of where they are currently in their roster. That team is clearly dying to get up in this conversation. They probably want to get to two, but my guess is San Francisco has a good relationship with the Jets. They just there's a lot of crossover there, obviously with Salah as the coach. San Francisco so, slides out again. <laughs> but my thinking is they know who the Jets are taking, and they know that they're not moving. They are absolutely taking Wilson if that's the guy, and they're not moving no matter what the freaking price tag is. So now they're in the only position that's tradable. Do you understand what I'm saying? Nobody's trading one for Trevor Lawrence and the Jets are never trading two for Zach Wilson. They are now essentially in the number one spot for the next, next best. Yes. And if they feel like what they just gave up is market value and that Carolina is going to blow up their franchise now to take number three off of them, isn't it the best move ever? Because now, Scott, you're getting Carolina's. 2022 right. first and Carolina's 2023 first. And that's going right. to be garbage. That pick's going to be great. So, <laughs> so, the, so, so they're thinking in chess mode, taking yep. down the yes, lineup. Sir. I'm going to go here knowing that this team needs it more than necessarily we do. And they're acting like and, it. <laughs> well, I, and, and you know, I pulled up for comparison, this made me think of that Robert Griffin trade with you know Washington St. Louis back in 2012. This actually happened early. This was a March 12th trade when the uh, the draft was April 26th. So yeah. this was similar, very similar comparison 
Um, so that happened very early. This it was almost identical to what happened here. Yeah. It was Washington. Uh, Washington went up to number two. They gave up. It was a pick swap plus a the the 2013 first and a 2014 first and then a a, a second in that same year. Um, so very very similar comparison for sure. these teams. Um, and with that, St. Louis traded that number six pick that they swapped. They traded out of that number six and got some other players. So it could absolutely happen that San Francisco could field that and, and then drop down again and stockpile more assets. That's the only way I can, I can, I can ascertain it right now. That, that really is because even if you're going up there to get a Trey Lance or somebody like that, I, I why now, you know, why now? Yeah. Yeah, um, I don't know. It's going to be interesting a month. It's going to be interesting to yeah. see where things go. Good, good stuff from Miami. Uh, you know, if they, if they're going back up to six to get the best available pass catcher, whether that's a tight end or a wide receiver, you can certainly understand that. Um, taking him at three would have been a, a reach. So now they acquire a bunch of picks and move back a little bit and essentially still get their guy. So I understand it from them, their perspective, Philly, I think did a great job here. Like I, like I've stated and San Francisco is TBD. Totally TBD. If they if they are really just going up there to get a guy, it's probably too much too early. But if they are getting there to with a guy in mind, but primarily to to essentially have the number one slot, the number one tradable slot, even if that's just going back to four, because you know Atlanta wants a quarterback. So so now just the jump then might be enough to to at least get some of that capital back from Atlanta. Uh, I do think it's a power move, and you're right. It's a little bit of chess versus checkers. If that's really what it is, because because guess what, you can say, well, then they won't have a quarterback. You know, if they move back to eight in Carolina or wherever they are, and you know, th- there's four quarterbacks taken before then. Well, now what do they do? Well, a Garoppolo's not the worst. You know, he's average, and he's under contact for contract for two more years. But here's a name that we just keep kind of glossing over. Wouldn't the Jets trade trade San Francisco Sam Darnold for pennies on the dollar right now? Kind of whenever they want. Who else is even... Yeah. Let's go through the list of, of teams now. Yeah. Who else is even yeah. asking for Sam Darnold right now? If the 49ers want to give him a shot for the next two years, they can get him at any point in time over the next couple of weeks, in my opinion. So you could trade number three now for a pile of picks, Acquire Sam Darnold as kind of like your plan B option for quarterback versus Jimmy Garoppolo, have a little competition and just go from there. I, I, I don't think it's the worst idea ever from San Francisco, who is kind of they took a step back last year. There's no question about it. So let's let's run down this list here quickly. Kyler Murray's just agree with me. Yes or no. Kyler Murray's locked in. Yes. No, no, nowhere out right now. Matt Ryan, is he locked in for you? Financially, yes. Yeah. Yep, they restructured him for the fourth time on this contract. He's locked in yeah. for 2021, but they are certainly in the market for a quarterback in this draft. Let's just put it that way. Lamar Jackson, I, I, I mean, is he getting a contract or not? Yes or no? TBD. Josh TBD, Allen. But I, yeah, he will. Yes. Is Teddy Bridgewater on this Carolina roster week one? No. I say no, too. Is Andy Dalton honestly the starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears week one? Uh, yes, I'm going to say yes. <laughs> okay. 
Um, is Mitchell Trubisky the Bills' backup all of 2021? Yes. Okay. Joe Burrow's locked in, of course, as long as yes. he's healthy. Baker Mayfield's getting paid this year or no? Yes. Agreed. Deck is very, very, very locked in. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he uh, speaking is. of locks, Drew Locke is Drew Locke the week one starting quarterback for the Denver Broncos? I think we found no. our Sam Darnold competition, right? No, I was going to say that <laughs> that Denver team, you know, no, Drew Locke. The answer is no. Okay, so something happens via draft or trade for for a quarterback here. Okay, or or Alex Smith, I guess. Jared Goff is locked in for one year, although I wouldn't sleep on Detroit trying to find a quarterback in this draft. Let's put it that way. Here's one. What do you think about Aaron Rodgers? I've said enough, so it's your turn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have. Um, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say he's going to be there the whole year. Me too. Uh, Deshaun Watson, same conversation. <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to say... I'm going to say, no, he's not going to be on that roster. I'm going to be a little bit more diplomatic with the answer. I'm going to say, for whatever reason, Deshaun Watson doesn't play a snap for the Houston Texans in 2021. Is that fair? (laughs) Yes. Because there's a lot of reasons why that could happen now. And uh, I'm going to say it that way. Carson Wentz, is he your your indie quarterback? Yes. Yeah, he's... He's pretty much the only guy there, literally. What happens to Gardner Minshew? I, I've been trying to wrap my brain around this one because there were some trade rumors out there. And I, I mean, where, where do you put him? Who, who does he back up in 2021? Mm. Doesn't sound like it's going to be Jacksonville. They gave CJ Beathard pretty much $5 million guaranteed there. Whereas a lot of people thought Alex Smith was going there. And I'm not sure that's going to be the case anymore yeah. either. And I, and I think he's a serviceable backup too. Sure. I mean, we, he, he can definitely play. So jets, if they move on I mean, from I Darnold, guess... right. I, I Minchu mania behind Zach Wilson. I love this new England. If they're not in love with oh, uh, Sid, Stidham. Okay. Stidham maybe. Sure. Cam and Cam and Gardner. That's, that's a bunch yeah. of characters. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes obviously locked in. I think his health is something to watch, though, going forward. It's been now a couple of years in a row. Justin Herbert locked in. Yes. Matthew Stafford, he's certainly going to get the full year to figure that out. There is no question. Here's one. Derek Carr. Every two weeks or so, it ta- people talk about if Las <laughs> Vegas should get rid of him. But if you look at his numbers, it's pretty confident. I'm going to say he's going to be there. I'm going to say, yes, he's locked in yeah. for this year. Mariota, his backup took a, a, a just a complete haircut to stay essentially three and a half million plus incentives. So, you know, he's not going to be a $10 million backup quarterback or somebody else's starting quarterback on a restructured contract. I imagine he stays on that. And that's just what Las Vegas got him to agree to. So Cam is the uh, week one quarterback in New England or does something crazy happen with New England at number 15 in the draft? No, he's locked in. Okay. Jameis or Taysom? Both of these guys on the roster, by the way. I'll say yes, and I'm going to go Winston as the starter. Week one. Okay. Daniel Jones is going to have a year to really figure it out and a couple of new weapons as well. Who knows on Sam Darnold? I don't know why, why would he even guess at this point. Uh, Pittsburgh could be in. 
Denver could be in, San Francisco could be in. There's a bunch of teams, you know, does Seattle view him as maybe a quick bridge if they if they do lose Russell Wilson in the next 18 months? So he's kind of sitting pretty, even though the Jets are definitely going to, or likely going to move on at that position. But there's probably some pretty good franchises that could use him right now. Roethlisberger one and done, or is could this be like a renaissance? Uh, one and done. Okay. Hertz gets the year, or does Joe Flacco see time in Philly? <laughs> Three and a half million fully guaranteed Joe Flacco. Just killing. Uh, killing. J- Jalen Hurts gets the year as long as he stays healthy. Okay. Jimmy G week one, or you think there's uh there's more creativity coming out of San Francisco? There's more creativity Oof. coming out of San Francisco. I love that answer. Makes for more fun. Russell's going to be there this year? This year, but not next year. Yeah, that's right. Brady the next eight years in Tampa or no? <laughs> <laughs> At least two. Did you see the stat about Brady, about Tampa Bay, by the way, after Leonard Fournette signed? I know you're on a, on a little mini vacay here. When, no. when, when Fournette officially signed back on Friday, all... 22 starters will be back with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It is the first Super Bowl team to bring back all 22 starters in history. Oh my God. Another, <laughs> another first for Tom Brady. Yep. To and it's, and he's the reason he's the reason that's that happened. I mean, they're not he, coming he back probably, for, you know, Ronald Jones. This, <laughs> he, he probably sits at home and instead of watching Netflix or whatever, he's running through the stat. Book yeah. Just the lies sports Twitter feed. What, yeah figuring out what kind of crazy statistic he can be the first of. And he probably has a, one of those black and white marble notebooks, just riddled with whatever stats he can come up. No, Scott, he's a great father. He's outside throwing passes with his kids. Stop it. Stop it. (laughs) Ryan Tannehill. Is he safe through the year? He's fully guaranteed. Yes, he's safe. It's a big year for him. A lot of people were really high in him last year and he kind of disappointed to a lot of degrees. So the, uh, the AFC championship, Ryan Tannehill, needs to come back in full force or there's going to be some, uh, you know, some raised eyebrows in Tennessee in terms of what, the ha- what happens in 2022. And then uh, the Washington football team, where are we? Is it Fitzmagic? I, I can't imagine it's all year Fitzmagic, is it? Nobody does Fitzmagic all year. <laughs> yeah, not even Miami did no, Fitzmagic nobody. all year. No, I, I think with what is behind him, it's fits magic all year if he's healthy and he's playing decent. Uh, unless Ron Rivera really wants to have Taylor Heineke stepping in yeah. as uh, like a Tua, but I don't think that's the case at all. I, I'm not going to put that to bed. I, th- there's a clear appreciation for Taylor Heineke in that organization. There is, and they and yeah, in they that city, up, right? That and they locked him up pretty quick. They did, uh, you know. The, the, the downfall with Heineke is the small sample size. You know, when you look at the small sample size, his stats are really good from. I'll say it this way, though, because that's heard. right. But if there's any sort of normal offseason here in terms of a mini camp and a training camp, he, I, I would imagine he's going to get a legitimate amount of reps. It is a what do we have here situation, in my opinion, because I don't see them bringing anybody else in. Do you? No, I don't. Yeah, and I think it's if we have to go with Fitz, we'll be more than happy to go with Fitz. But to me, the way that they constructed this whole situation, and Kyle Allen is still on this roster, he's he's got experience. So I, I don't mean to toss him to the side. I just think there's buzz around Taylor Heineke, and I think he'll get the reps to at least see 
in a, to expand that sample size a little bit, he could even get preseason starts, right? And, and just to kind of see what he can do with a yeah. B squad out there and, and understand what they have. I just wouldn't put that to bed. I think I think there's a small but possible chance that Taylor Heineke is starting games for Washington this year. Anything else? Alex Smith, do we have any any kind of pulse on where he ends up? Yeah, he. It, it, that's interesting that, you know, where does he go? Does he go to a team that drafts a quarterback and is a yes. mentor? Yes. Do you, overpay, do you overpay as a backup for him to come in as that mentor, knowing what he has done from being the first overall in San Francisco, going to Kansas City, being traded to Washington and all at, yeah, I, I think that it, if you have, I think I already the said the team out loud. Who's in, that? Instead of acquiring Gardner Minshew, that's what the Jets do. That's oh, what the yeah. Jets do. You draft Zach Wilson, you sign Alex Smith, and you put that whole process in place. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That would be good. And even if, even if for some reason something crazy happened and they kept Darnold and draft uh, moved out of second for some reason and didn't go that route. I think you even take a chance in having Alex Smith come in to help Darnold just from the the mental side of mm-hmm. it. Yeah. I mean, Darnold dealt with that whole mono situation and, you know, the sickness and, you know, obviously that is not the same as what Alex Smith went through, but from a, a mental standpoint, you know, having somebody that has had to overcome all of that adversity sure. uh, in, in that big city, you know, he's been in some big cities here. I think that would be, be a place to go. Do you think there's a chance that teams just view him as a coach now and that yes. they, they won't even give him a contract as a player anymore? Yes. Why, why even put it on the cap, right? Correct. Yeah. I think there's a chance of that too, the longer this goes, but he's a but if you're But if you're a team and that is the case, you read the tea leaves or you've talked to the agent, don't you as a team slightly overpay as a coach? Yes, he's going to want to come back and play, but don't you even throw out a, a high offer just to have him as a quarterback's coach or yeah. a a consult or, or or whatever it may be just because you know what he has gone through the I, turmoil being number one and it not working out getting traded traded again for another guy that came in and took over and then the adversity of having to come back from all of that the the injuries i mean just the fact of all all of the experience he has had you know you 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 know your team is going to have guys that get injured uh so if you can bring him on just from a coaching standpoint, if he wants to go that route, throw throw a high ball offer out there just to see if he bites. Because, you know, there may be in the back of his mind, if if I'm not going to get a quarterback contract on a team, maybe coaching is in his in his realm and you know, they may be able to lock him in. We've seen it happen before, you know, Alex Van Pelt and yeah. uh, so, some other guys. So Yeah, McCown I was doing yeah. Yeah. All right, Scott. Good stuff. My thanks to The Athletic. I'm on there right now, kind of updating myself on Major League Baseball moves as those rosters begin to finalize. By the way, it looks like Matt Harvey is going to be the Orioles' opening day pitcher. That's just phenomenal. (laughs) That is such an Orioles freaking thing to say out loud. My thanks to them. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track. Get yourself 40% off your first year subscription. 
Check out DynastyOwner.com, the Dynasty Fantasy Football League that uses real NFL contracts and makes your life extremely difficult. you got to be a power user, and it is worth your time. Scott and I really enjoyed that last year. DynastyOwner.com. Get started today. Dynasty season is here. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Track Podcast. Mm-hmm.